Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see It's time to express yourself. Where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. What is the meaning of care, and how do you heal both inside and out? Hello, and welcome to Express Yourself. We are a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Brigitte Gia, and today the theme for our show is healing. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity. Each week, we bring you a stimulating, mind-bending, motivating program based on a chapter from our award-winning book, Be The Star You Are for Teens. Simple gifts for living, living, loving, laughing, learning, and leading. Today, we've got a great article on our theme for this week's show, Healing, and a great guest, Orla Melling, the author of Fairy Fantasy, The Summer King. Orla was born in Ireland and grew up in Canada with her seven sisters and two brothers. At 18, she hitchhiked to California, seeking adventure. A year later, she was off to Malaysia and Borneo on a youth exchange program. That set her motto for life, to travel hopefully. And she has ended up in other wonderful countries such as India and Outer Mongolia. During her years at university, Melling was a reservist with the Royal Canadian Navy, gaining the Queen's Commission and the rank of sub-lieutenant. She has a BA in philosophy and Celtic studies and an MA in medieval Irish history. Melling's books of young adult fantasy weave spiritual themes with high adventure in the tradition of her favorite author, C.S. Lewis. Her best-selling series, The Chronicles of Fairy, was listed among the American Library Association's Top 10 Fantasy Books for Youth and Top 10 Youth Books for the Environment. Melling also writes screenplays and adult novels. Her books have been translated into many languages, including German, Japanese, Chinese, and Russian. Melling lives in a small town by the Irish Sea. All right, so uh, Melling's new book, The Summer King, is the second of four books in the Chronicles of the Fairy series, which can be read in any order, and because each book actually stands alone, despite their interconnectedness. In this book, Teen character Laurel is dealing with the death of her twin, Honor, and the beautiful story has actually impacted many readers, and it's helped them cope with losses in their own lives, and Melling has actually gotten a lot of emails about this, and about how the story has impacted so many lives. With that, let's welcome author O.R. Melling to Express Yourself. Hi there. It's great to be here. Hello. It's great to have you on the show. So, we have a few questions for you today. Um, let's start with the first one. So, The Summer King is a fairy fantasy involving a young woman who is dealing with the death of her twin sister. Do you think fantasy is a good way to deal with this kind of issue? Or wouldn't a realistic novel be better? Um, what is your opinion on that? Why did you decide to write a fantasy to express this? Well, I suppose, first of all, I've always written fantasy because that was my favorite kind Mm -hmm. of book when I was young. 
um, from the time I was a child and then up to a teenager. And then um, I really only stopped reading fantasy when I became an adult, um, possibly because I read so much of it. I think that uh, I think the truth is when there is suffering in your life, when there's hard things that you have to deal with, you've already been given a big dose of realism. So I'm not sure that realistic novels can can help can help with the pain. You know, I think it. I think what happens um, the whole idea of fantasy, rather than being an escape, I would see it as a as a comfort as as a a form of solace because what it, it says mm-hmm. um, is that there's more than just this life. There's more than just physical reality. It raises the question of there's a bigger story, and I think it's precisely that that can that can help people when I can that can help at a time of loss or time of hardship, a time of suffering. So, Orlan, all this talk of escapism and fantasy. Do you think that? fantasy can play a healing role in a person's life and give them hope? Well, it depends on the, it depends on the kind of fantasy. I think um, the kind of fantasy that I love that's called high fantasy, that's, um, say, the Chronicles of Narnia, written by C.S. Lewis, or The Lord of the Rings, or um, in more recent times, uh, I think Harry Potter is a good example. Um, <laughs> it's it's the kind of fa- that kind of fantasy that... I think in, in many ways it, uh, it encourages it encourages imagination, it, it encourages belief, it encourages hope. Um, you know, yeah, when people say that fantasy is a, a form of escapism, I mean, the first thing that I always think about is, you know, when people say you go on holidays that you're escaping, and yet the truth is if you don't have holidays, you'd go mad, you know? So it's yeah. not an yeah. escape, it's, a, it's, it's good for you, you know? And I yeah. think it's, it can be the same with fantasy. That can bring you into another world, transport you into another world. And, yeah, I, I think it could be, that would be a healing experience. Yeah, definitely. I really like that take on it. And I really think that's a very beautiful take on the whole fantasy um, subject. And I also, yeah, because then you've got, you've got such as Harry Potter and, you know, the Narnia Chronicles by C.S. Lewis. You've got something where... You've got this realistic world, and then you've got a separate fantasy world that the characters from the realistic world get transported into. So I feel like maybe it's kind of encouraging the fact that, hey, I mean, it's, you know, like, it could really happen to you. It could really happen to anyone, where anyone in a realistic world could be transported to a fantasy world. And I think that's a really cool outlook. Well, I think you can do it even in in your imagination, Mm -hmm. uh, listening to beautiful music, watching a beautiful film and, and yeah, and I think, and then, or reading a beautiful book. Yeah, all these, yeah. all of these things can transport you. And if you're going through, you know, if you're going through a difficult time, if you're going through a hard time, anything that can help ease, ease the, ease the, the, the difficult feelings or anything that can strengthen you, give you hope, you know, it's, it's, uh, that, that helps. Yeah, so it definitely emotionally heals you. So going off of that, what do you think is really the most important message in your work in general, since we've got this whole fantasy aspect, but we've also got the really realistic pain of loss? I suppose it is what I, it is what I was saying, that there's a, mm-hmm. a bigger story. There's a bigger story beyond just human life, you know, and, and human reality. I think one of, one of my characters, um, 
says something about, uh, you know, human life is a, is a day of sunshine and pain. Um, you know, so you have both. And then, then there's this other greater promise of, you know, the beauty of immortality. I mean, that's one of the questions in The Summer King. Are we mortal or immortal? You know, and that's a, a question, um, you know, is are we just a body or are we also a soul? You know, are we something you know, infinitely beautiful, something that that goes on forever. And I think that, uh, I think those questions are always underlying. At the same time, what I'm writing is a fairy adventure. You know, all my books are quests mm-hmm. or, you know, um, you know, they go off on a mission or, or you yeah. know, they, they have to seek something and it's an adventure as well. Um, mm. But there is, that's the sort of the underlying stream or, or, those, or those bigger, deeper questions. Right, and I think a lot of people also, you know, they always write off fantasy as only for little kids and you can't really relate to it. But And they say it's a way to sugarcoat important issues, as in the Mary Poppins song, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Do you believe this judgment or do you think it's not fair? Well, I think um, it's what I was saying before, you know, you can, you can get a, you know, you can get a dose of realism and... Uh, you know, is is there another way? Is there another way of looking at it? Is there another way of of dealing with it? Um, I mean, some some fantasy is. You know, it's just sort of um, what what would I call it? <laughs> it, is, yeah, it is. You know, just a sugar pill, or it is. Uh, but you know, that, mm-hmm. but again, the same realistic novels. Some are worth reading, and some aren't. But then we all enjoy a little bit of junk as well. You know, I think you know, <laughs> the junk food along with the with the you know the the highbrow stuff. Uh, you know, I think uh, that's one of the things I think about reading. That you, it's it's nice to have a choice of of, of lots of different kinds of books to read. Um, but but I do think that. I do think that what I call high fantasy, um, yeah, I, th- I think it has it has something special to offer. I, I do believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like yeah, more depthful, and you've you've definitely got that message. You know, that bigger picture, and that's you know that's what inspires people to get like keep reading. I feel like so. What inspires you to write? And do you write for yourself or for others to show them this bigger picture? Or do you have your own reasons? Well, the truth is I used to, I used to write for myself. Um, and I think that's because there weren't, um, you know, my favorite author, C.S. Lewis, died. So he wasn't writing any more books for me to read. And I think uh, when it was time for me to write, I wanted to write the kind of books that I, that I love to read. But what happened was... Um, I used to get letters from young people and now I get emails and um, I suddenly realized I did, the books were going out, out there, they were being read and they were having effect. you know, they were affecting, mm-hmm. they were affecting people and some of the, some of the, I mean, some of the letters I got were, were sad and, and beautiful as well mm-hmm. and, uh, and then suddenly I realized I was writing to someone. Like, remember one, Mm-hmm. One young young woman, she'd be in, she'd be an adult now. She probably has children of her own now. She wrote to me to say that um, that she never knew her father, but that her mother said he was Irish, and mm-hmm. so she said when she read my books, she thought she was close to her dad. You know, and you get something mm-hmm. lovely like that. And then when the Summer King came out, um, I did get emails from young people who had lost a sibling, and uh, I got an email from. Uh, the head of the Twins Bereavement uh, Association, who said, uh, 
that she had felt that book described um, mm-hmm. how to, how what it was like to lose a twin better than any other book she'd read. And when I realized that she, of course, herself had lost her twin, you know. So then, the the more I began to realize that there were young people reading the books, uh, then I did actually I I was aware that I was writing for others besides myself, and and then I was thinking of how my own favorite author had helped me through what wasn't an easy childhood. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, I'm doing this the same thing for, for young people now. And that, that became important to me. And, uh, yeah, but yeah. it encouraged me to keep going. That's, that's truly inspiring. And I love the message that you've, you know, procured, that you've inspired in others. So thank you so much, Orla, for this awesome discussion. It was truly inspirational. The Summer King is a riveting read, and I definitely recommend it to all of the listeners out there. To learn more about O.R. Melling and her books, please visit www.ormelling.com. Provide health and happiness by giving a donation to Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. For more information on how to do this, go to www. Be the star you are.org. I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Zara Hassanin. Also remember to visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com. We'll be returning with author Oral Melling in segment two. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. Tune in to Dinosaur Detectives with Little Miss Dinosaur, Anna Dubois. We'll not only learn about dinosaurs, but also about fossils, ancient civilizations, and ask questions from paleontologists. You'll learn about science in general with an emphasis on paleontology and dinosaurs in general. Anna hopes that this show will start or increase your awareness and interest in the field of science. Dinosaur Detectives can be heard every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Looking for a show about your favorite movies, stars, and DVD releases? Get ready for Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Channel. Your hosts, the Kids First film critics, preview all the latest movies before they're released, interview stars on the red carpet, and share their reviews with you so you can make informed decisions about what you select to see. Our reporters, ages 7 to 16, will bring you a kid's perspective on these films. Kids First Coming Attractions is heard every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Kids. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. 
For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. I'm your host, Brigitte Gia, and today's topic is health. And I'm Zara Hosnain. Today we'll be continuing our awesomely intriguing talk with author Orla Melling about her book, The Summer King. On the anniversary of her twin sister's mysterious death, death, Laurel returns to Ireland in search for answers. What drew her quiet bookish sister up onto the mountain ledge, and what clues does Honor's journal offer with its scribblings about a roly-poly man in a doorway and a mission? Honor believes in fairies. Laurel does not. But when a fairy appears to her and insists that she take over her sister's mission, skeptical Laurel decides to play along. And so she embarks on a quest to find the missing Summer King and save Fairy, the land of hopes and dreams. As she becomes caught up in dark secrets and old hatred, she harbors a desperate dream of her own, to save her sister. So, Miss um, Milling, uh, The Summer King is a wonderful story. And continuing on from the last segment, so do you think that some books can actually be harmful to young people? And would you agree with some kind of censorship? Or do you think that all books should be free to whoever wants to read them? That's a really hard question, isn't it? I'd be, I'd, I'd be interested to know what you and Zara think of that as well after, <laughs> I, after I give you my answer. But uh, it's hard to say. I actually, I'm against censorship for teens, um, older teens, because I don't think as an adult I would like to have people telling me what to read, so I certainly don't think that older teens should be told what to read. I'd be more... Um, wary of what children are reading and I I, I do think that as parents teachers librarians we do have and and even as older sisters and brothers we do have a duty of care there about um, about the degree of you know the Mm -hmm. books that could disturb could disturb a young mind I mean I think a you know, when you're very young, it's just that the ego is just developing, the ego strength is, is, mm-hmm. is, is developing, the boundaries are... So I would be, I'd be concerned. Um, for instance, even, like, I'm a, a big Harry Potter fan. I've already mentioned mm-hmm. that. But I wouldn't, as a parent, allow my younger children to read some of the later books until they were older. <laughs> I, I, I found them deeply disturbing myself. So I'd be concerned about um, a child reading mm-hmm. them. But... I think it's different with a teenager. I mean, teenagers are always testing their boundaries, testing their own abilities to, to uh, you know, and then to be honest, I mean, the bigger problem is, is really the internet, isn't it, rather than books, oh, I dear. think. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and what's going on there. But, yes, I mean, censorship is such a tricky issue. But I, I'd love to know what you two think, really, about it. What do you think about that question? Um, yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. There's that whole aspect of being easily influenced as a young person, a very small person. So I think personally that, yeah, we should probably, you know, keep down the material for younger children. But maybe in teenagers, if you've got a teenager who's reading a certain set of books or a certain series and they start to become sadder or, you know, have negative effects upon themselves, then I feel like it it's the parents or authorities' duty to kind of step in and, you know, help this teenager out, maybe find out what material is influencing him or her so much. Mm -hmm. And that's, Mm -hmm. yeah, I really think 
that maybe after we see the results, we can kind of handle it from there with older mm-hmm. teens and, you know, older children. Uh, yeah. Zara, yeah, what about you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I definitely, you know, I agree that with really small children, you do have to watch what they read because they could be utterly disturbed by something that you might even think of as not that scary or, like, not that graphic. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I always think of this one quote that I see everywhere um, by Mark Twain, and it's censorship is telling a baby or telling a man that he can't have a steak because a baby can't chew it. And I think that's just <laughs> so true because it's like, you know, yeah, I don't know. Like, and it's just like so true because like people who try to censor things try to censor all across the board. They try to, you know, abridge books and take out all the graphic details and take out all the slightly unpleasant aspects of that book. But while they do that, they're really taking away from the full merit of that book. And so, you know, I really don't like it that way. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, in young children, to their psychological development, it's important that you censor what they read. But at the same time, still encourage them to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're um, all in agreement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Censor a bit, but, yeah. you know, on the whole, let yeah. everybody read what they want to read. It's- Exactly. And so, Orla, even without, you know, the threat of censorship, um, do you think that books and reading may someday go out of fashion in a more modern world? Yeah, sometimes I do. I do think that, actually. Um, I, I think it may, uh, or, or I think that the book itself will just take a different shape. Um, yeah. I mean, it already has taken a different shape with e-books, hasn't it? Um, although I, I've heard recently that uh, apparently... Um, Hardcovers and paperbacks are are winning out over ebooks and um, yeah, one of the bookstores here, Waterstones, has stopped um, selling Kindles because they just weren't selling enough. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Yeah, like they're, um, they're selling fashion. But uh, it, it, but really, you just wonder: will it will it continue? Can can paper continue in an electronic world in a in an yeah. e world? You know, I mean, a hundred years from now, will there really be paper books, or will they be like? like scrolls and, you know, old manuscripts and, you know. Yeah. But I think stories will always exist. You see, stories will always be there. So maybe they'll just be in a different, they'll be in a different shape. There will always be Mm -hmm. long stories, which we call books at the moment, don't we? But it it could be be in some other format. Yeah. Yeah. We've been talking about, like, the Internet and, you know, um, a big addiction with the Internet but, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely, there's that whole aspect of is it going to last? And, yeah, we've got newspapers, I think, going out of date. And now we've got e-newspapers where you subscribe online and then it brings you the copy. But, mm-hmm. I don't know, there's just something about books. I feel like since you have it materially in your hand and you can feel, you know, the pages and turning... Right, that's such yeah. a great feeling, and <laughs> I don't really want it to go out of date, because I really love it. I think, that. too. I don't yeah. know when you were little, but I used to get Rupert the Bear books, and I used to love the smell of them. <laughs> when you yeah. open it, there was yeah. this really nice smell. I don't know if it was the glue and the binding of the pages or what, or <laughs> right, the paper, yeah. the fresh paper, but there was something there. I think also, yeah. you know, reading in bed, is it the same as if you have a, a Kindle or something, yeah. or, or you right, have this, yeah. this lovely old library book or something? Yeah, it depends. Yeah. Yeah, and that's so strange to think about, too, because you think of, you know, some, like, very old books. Oh, like, they won't smell good. Like, you know, people probably spilled coffee on them and spit on them and, you know, whatever. But then you, like, you know, it's still, you get that homey feeling, like, 
there is something constant in the world. And like, I think with the internet and with so much technology around us, it's so easy to just delete something that it's so easy to just get rid of books. Like, you know, Mm. you can delete all the books in the world Mm -hmm. in a matter of like seconds if we don't have like books and hard paper anymore. And I think that's a pretty scary thing to think about too. Ooh, that's like a different version of uh, Fahrenheit 451. You know, <laughs> oh, dear. Of, of the book burning and people having to memorize the books. Right, Actually, yeah. that's a good idea for a novel, Zach. Yeah. yeah. Sounds, like, <laughs> uh, sounds like Fahrenheit 451. Yeah, <laughs> dystopian yeah, version. <laughs> yeah. version. Yeah, that all the books are on, uh, all, the, all the books are on the um, internet and then they all get wiped out. Absolutely. I wonder, I wonder what like maybe there's a similarity between that because yeah it's so easy to delete ebooks but then you've got those terrible you know book burnings from all the way centuries back or even Mm. 1930s oh dear but oh man i feel like yeah that like it makes it easier to virtually burn a book and that just it gives me the creeps you know i don't like yeah yeah like even yesterday i was like for English class, I was, like, writing questions for, you know, Great Expectations by Charles Dickens, and I was almost finished, but then my computer shut down, and I lost all the questions. That just, like, you know, a little narrative like that just makes me worry. Like, if we're transferring every single book into an ebook, like, it's so easy to just get rid of it all and get rid of all that knowledge and years of hard work and beautiful work. Oh, that's, a, that's actually a really good point. The other thing I have to, and and again, there, here I am, the Harry Potter fan again, but I remember one of the things that was so incredible about that time, about that phenomenon, which it really was, was that there, late at night, kids and adults lined up outside bookstores to buy a book, not a new toy, not a new gadget, not a new video game, but an actual book. And I think that was almost said to me, okay, they're not going out of style yet. And, you know, I expect there will be another one again. Yeah, I mean, it was a phenomenon, but, you know, it could come again, that, that the whole world falls in love with a book. Right, yeah. So beautiful. And, yeah, you've got um, one of my classmates, I think, all the way back, and he 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 was a fast reader he'd gone ahead and read the entirety of the harry potter's the new book and mm-hmm. he came in the classroom and he just belted out the ending and the entire <laughs> class just turned around like oh no why did you do that and i feel that yeah that really it's just beautiful that you know um coming together converging of people over a series over a single series and that's just really wonderful and I hope that'll continue yeah I think it's really just like a binding force and it connects you with people and you know things that you would never expect to be connected with and never expect to make such a strong bond with all right okay so yeah that was such a beautiful discussion thank you so much for this insight on your books and your writing and that was a wonderful discussion and we've really enjoyed having you on the show today and talking with you, and this has been such a great time. So, to learn more about O.R. Melling and her books, please visit www.ormelling.com. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed this t- this chat as well. Yeah, thank you so yeah, much. Thanks that was really coming. awesome. Yeah, the very insightful thought on your part. Also, remember to visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com. We'll be returning with Bridget in the next segment, so don't go anywhere. 
We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. What do you want to do? Are you interested in the performing arts? If so, make sure you tune in to the Angel and Harmony Show. Angel and Harmony have experience singing, acting, and performing in general and want to help you live out your dreams of the future. Whether you are interested in acting, modeling, dancing, or singing, this is the show for you. We'll even give you the scoop on being behind the scenes if you're a little shy. The Angel and Harmony Show is heard live every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Our voices need to be heard. Tune in every week for Women Investing in Women and Girls. This is a groundbreaking program that spotlights global issues from the perspectives of young women and teens. Our program is aimed at young listeners in general, including young men who wish to be engaged in our global dialogues. Come join us every Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for Women Investing in Women and Girls and follow the global economic revolution on the Voice America Kids channel. Join us every week for the Paper Hope Street Team. None of our topics are off the table. This is a program that you can listen to and discuss with your family. From the pages of the Paper Hope blog to the internet radio airwaves, we'll talk about the topics you want to talk about, such as friendship and relationships, or some more controversial issues about sex, drugs, and underage drinking. Join the Paper Hope Street Team live every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Kids channel. Let's talk soon. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Brigitte, and our program is Express Yourself. Today, the theme for our show is healing. And today, we have Bridget here to share her insights on the connection between art and the power of healing. Hi, Bridget. Hey, guys. It's Brigitte, of course. And today, I'll be talking about art and the power of healing. So last week, we discussed the correlation between art therapy and happiness levels. And in this segment, I'll be discussing the healing properties of art and viewing art. So art can actually be really calming and really serene. First off, making art can calm one down, and I personally like to take a breather by just pausing to work on an art piece. And so if you're getting really stressed out by school or any other strenuous activities, then you can just take a break and do something creative. Take a paintbrush, take a pencil, just sketch something out. And it's a really great way of just clearing your mind and relaxing yourself. And the methodical working towards a greater goal of a finished artwork piece really is able to calm people down. And there's something about starting anew with a blank canvas or other medium that really connects with people and helps them to heal themselves emotionally and heal their mindset. And so when you're really stressed out or upset, 
It's actually recommended that you go to art classes because the repetition of cre a creative task actually brings down levels of stress and smooths out people's worries. And so people can really learn to express themselves and their feelings with art, which kind of allows them to open up about their issues and then heal their state of mind from there on out. So if you're putting down your ideas and your feelings and your emotions on a blank piece of canvas or a piece of clay or any other um, art medium, then you can really just let yourself go and clear your mind of all those troubling emotions and really just heal yourself. Another, another way of healing yourself or um, relaxing yourself after a stressful week or a stressful event is actually viewing art. So viewing art is also a method of healing. And when you walk through an art museum or a gallery, you can essentially just walk away from your issues for the moment and kind of clear your own mind by jumping into the world and thoughts of an artist. So whenever you're viewing a piece at a gallery or whenever an audience views a certain artwork, that person or that audience really gets an idea of what the artist is trying to say, what's going on in the artist's world at that moment. And what this does is that it allows for people to kind of just stray a little bit away from their own issues and kind of focus in on what the artist is trying to say and then calm themselves and then go back out of the gallery, out of the museum and be able to look at their own issues in a different light. And the thing is, actually, funnily enough, different colors are actually proven to be very soothing to the eye. And so we've got light shades and soft pastel tones that actually give a stressed out individual an opportunity to breathe and clear away the clutter in their mind. And so when you're viewing certain color tones or certain more soothing colors, then you can actually kind of just breathe, kind of just resettle yourself and rediscover the core of your being. So viewing art can actually heal the little troubles and allow a refocus on the true values of life by truncating any unnecessary worries. Many artists, in fact, actually use their craft as an escape from their problems, and they're able to create a corner of joy where they can kind of rest their weary bones and heal their thought process, heal their emotions. And so creating art really allows for the opportunity to study the beauty of nature and its correlation with humankind. And if you're sketching, for example, I really like to sketch outdoors with a pencil and maybe just a simple sketchbook. So I'll be sitting there and I'll look at the intricacies of just the leaves on the tree that I'm trying to draw. And the repetition of kind of just shading in those little veins in the leaves really calms me down, allows me to focus on intricacies and details of nature and really just focusing on the outside world. And I found that to be a very beautiful connection that you as a human, as a person, can make with nature itself. Right. So, Bridget, you're talking about how artists really use um, art as a form of escapism and as a form of healing their, you know, all the, the storm cloud of emotions that you're plagued with all day. Um, and I usually think of art as being like a really precise kind of thing and I think of oh artists like stressing out over making their <laughs> art exactly perfect and all why don't why do you think that art is like less stressful than say like homework like if you want to make it so <laughs> perfect and like you know you're so um concerned with the tiny details like how is why, how, why do you think that's um a healing power instead of a source of stress 
I think with art, you can really take it in the direction that you want. And so putting yourself in charge of an artwork or like a piece really gives you the freedom to kind of think about it and think about how you want it to go. And I really think that's empowering. I think that today with, you know, like if you have, if you have a job or if you're doing homework, it's really someone else giving you an assignment that you have to complete by a certain deadline. But right, right. when, yeah, but when you have art, you know, you can, you can create a beautiful, intricate piece, but you can create it on your own time with your own boundaries. And I think that kind of takes off stress because you don't need to conform to anyone when you're working on a piece that's your own. You know, you can kind of, you can take your time drawing these intricacies. You don't have a deadline. You can just look at the piece and look at how you want it to go. And I think really giving control, giving more control over your own life, over your own person with this method of uh, making your own art piece really kind of heals you because you're not conforming to anyone else. You don't have any added stress and you get to determine what you're doing with the piece and how long you're going to take. And you can take it as slowly as you want it to. And I think that's really the beauty of, and the healing power of art. Right. So, Bridget, to you personally, what forms of art provide the most healing and calm? Like, I know you're talking about sketching, but like, <laughs> uh, what about like more specifically? Is there anything that you like to sketch a lot that um, heals you a lot? Um, I really think that personally for me, I really love painting and especially with acrylics because with acrylics, the thing is you can, you can paint something. And then if you don't like it, you can actually go back and change it. And, you know, sometimes with life, I feel like that's not really the case. You know, you do something, (laughs) you can't change it. But yeah, with acrylics, it really gives you that power that you can kind of wipe away your blunders. You can retouch upon things that you don't like. I also think I also really love drawing uh, people because I think, you know, because people are a product of nature. Humankind is a product of nature. And so wow. I really love to That's see cool. yeah, like, <laughs> the connection between human intellect and nature within itself. Because when you're drawing a person, you're not just looking at, you know, how they think. You're also looking at their creation, you know, their bone structure, the way their skin is tinted. And I think that's really great. Yeah, well, um. You know, sometimes when I look at paintings, I think, oh, like, that's so, like, dark, you know? Some poets, like, and you always hear about, uh, or not poets, sorry, artists, you always hear about their lives being so depressing and all. Um, Do you think that at any time, like, art does cause you to be more depressed, or is it that one thing that really does heal you that you can always count on to make you calm and stuff? Well, I feel like anything as a... um a profession or a career is going to be a little harder. And so all of these artists, you know, they're turning out works because their lives depend on it, really. They're like, they're trying to survive through their artwork. And I feel like, yeah, that makes it more tough. And the thing is, when you really get immersed into a work, when it's not going the way you want it to, or, you know, something is happening, then it does get you stressed out. And usually these artists are probably working with a deadline, which, you know, adds more stress. And yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like if you're using art in the right circumstances, if you're really stressed out and you just want to relax, then you have a blank piece of paper in front of you and you can just let all your feelings out. But say you're a cartoon artist and you need to like force the ideas out 
that's right. when, yeah, that's when it really gets kind of stressful. And, you know, even if you love your job, you love art, but, you know, adding that pressure is still going to be a little bit harsh and it's going to get you down. And I feel like that's what these artists really had to work with, where they had to spit out their ideas, you know, yeah. in a nice manner. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, I do think, you know, deadlines do put a lot of pressure yeah. on you. And even though they're supposed to, like, make you be organized and get your work done, sometimes they just cause more stress and you really need yeah. an outlet that can, you know, help you heal and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think, like, um, when, like, how do you think, like, when you paint, um, like, what about, like, what kind of feeling do you get, um, that make that makes you feel like you're really being healed. What feeling do I get? Um, yeah, I feel like really when you start with a new canvas, it really it really does provide healing because you're starting over again, and I think that's just really really beautiful. You know, you can start with this blank canvas, and you can really just keep going with that, and you know, take it your own way, and. I think that's just beautiful. I think it gives you a certain power, and I think that power is definitely very healing. And really, it's just the way you take art. Like, if when you have that blank piece of paper, where you're going with it, and that gives you a lot of freedom. And I think with the freedom, there's definitely a power of healing. Right, right. Um, so, you know, um, when you think of, like, elementary schoolers being like forced to do art um and you think of you know like people that aren't very good at art like do you think that something like that can be like really discouraging and like have you ever experienced something like that where you compare yourself to someone and you think oh I'm not really good at art maybe I should just quit and it turns out to be more of um a source of stress rather than a power of healing um I think Yeah, I I definitely would see what you're saying. And I think that always comes in when, you know, the kid is having a hard time when people tell that kid that they're not doing very well. And I think with the right support, you can really find your inner self with drawing and with art. Because there's a principle that a lot of people say that anyone can create art. And I feel like it's actually very true. And I feel like with the right support, you'll be able to do anything and create art and have it be your source of calm and serene. Well, thank you, Bridget. That's very insightful. And thanks again for giving us a peek into your viewpoint on healing. And we'll be back in our next segment um, with the gift of healing from um, Cynthia's book, Be the Star You Are. Um, During the break, everyone, be sure to check out our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, and more. Um, I'm Bridget Gia, and that was Zara Hassanine. And also please visit our charity site at btsya.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash be the star you are. Thanks, and be back for the next segment where we will be reading a stimulating chapter from Cynthia's book. We didn't invent Kid Talk, we perfected it, and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? 
It's the Fame Game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the Fame Game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. The longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Brigitte, and today our program is Express Yourself. The theme for our show today is healing. So each week we bring you a stimulating, mind-bending, motivating program based on a chapter from our award-winning book, Be the Star You Are for Teen, Simple Gifts for Living, Loving, and Laughing, Learning, and Leading. Um, Today we'll be reading The Gift of Healing from the book, Be the Star You Are for Teens. This chapter was penned by a prominent physical therapist who turned a life-threatening experience into a lifetime of helping others heal. His story makes us realize the importance of resilience and the wonderful merits of the gift of healing. And I'm Zara, and I'll be reading this story. So this is The Gift of Healing by Arlen Van Dyke. The day was cold. A bone-chilling blizzard had passed through the Iowa countryside as I was on my way home with a pheasant in hand when the tractor I was riding was stopped by a snowdrift. In between thinking of of the dinner we were going to enjoy and the tractor being stuck in the snow, all hell broke loose. To my left, I heard an ear-numbing sound. My left arm jerked upwards and then something heavy hit my head. My 20-gauge shotgun had automatically discharged, taking most of my left arm with it. The blood that was draining from the left sleeve of my winter jacket sounded like water running from the garden hose. I knew I was in trouble. I could see the farmyard, but no one was within range that could help me. With my arm dangling at my side, I squeezed the bloody jacket sleeve, hoping to halt the bleeding. I started walking towards our farm where I knew my dad would be working with the animals. As my legs weakened, I saw my dad exit the barn. Help me, dad, I weakly uttered. Dad drove the car as fast as a NASCAR driver over the gravel road between our farm and the local hospital. While I lie on the doctor's examining table, I remember the doctor cutting my sleeve off as good parts of my arm fell onto the table. Shotgun shell BBs bounced around the room. The prognosis was not good. The doctor looked into my eyes and gravely announced, Son, that arm has to come off immediately. The pain was excruciating, and I attempted to move my thumb and index finger. 
I looked first into the eyes of the doctor, then into those of my dad, then back again to the physician. Amputation is not an option, I responded weakly. The doctor looked at my dad as if to say, you better talk to this young man. This time, gazing directly at my pop, I repeated, amputation is not an option. With all the courage that a 14-year-old could muster, I asked the doctor if he knew of anyone that could save my arm. He said he would make a few calls on my behalf. After what seemed like an eternity, the doctor returned to the examination room. He had found a surgeon who practiced 75 miles away who agreed to help as long as we moved quickly. Immediately, my dad volunteered to drive me, but the doctor said that going by local emergency ambulance would get me there sooner. Although I was suffering the worst pain I had ever experienced, I refused the pain medication offered as I wanted to be lucid when I spoke to the doctor. I vividly remember every bump on that highway to Sioux City, Iowa. As much as I wanted the ambulance driver to slow down to ease the trauma, I also knew that speed was the key to my survival. I clenched my teeth and endured. Suddenly, I felt someone grab my arm. Again, I was stretched out on an examining table. The surgeon had wire rim glasses, strawberry blonde hair, blonde eyelashes, warm hands, and a calming demeanor. I've been waiting for you. I'm Dr. Graham, he said calmly and caring stated. He went on to tell me that the wound was filled with debris from the layers of clothing that I had been wearing. Infection was going to be my greatest enemy. I understand that you think this arm can be safe, Dr. Graham smiled. I remember looking at his face and telling him that if he could clean it up, I would take care of the rest. He placed his warm hand gently on my shoulder as he patted his understanding. Well, I have some work to do now, he said quietly. Do you need anything for that pain? Yes, please, is all I remember whispering before I lost consciousness. When I awoke the next day, my mom was sitting at my bedside looking both worried and sad. I asked her if I still had my arm. She replied, she smiled. You sure do, son. I'd taken a full load from the 20-gauge shotgun point-blank on the inside of my left elbow. The gun blast removed the inside half of my elbow, two inches of the humerus, and fractured my radius and ulnar bones. The ulnar nerve was severed, and two of my fingers did not move. The blast from the gun had removed most of my bicep muscles, but spared all of my major arteries. After going through stages of color changes and multiple injections of antibiotics, I was able to leave the hospital one month later. My life had changed the way I looked changed. I knew that I looked different to my friends, and I was determined to heal myself and to help heal others. My world has metamorphosed um, since that cold January afternoon. That caring gentleman with wire room glasses, strawberry blonde hair, blonde eyelashes, warm hands, and the look of complete confidence and calm became my physician, inspiration, and mentor. He not only saved my arm, he saved my life with his empathy, understanding, and healing. He even went a step further. He provided the encouragement and finances for me to receive a college degree. Today, I remember Dr. Graham when I touch my patients, and I I assure them that they, too, will be okay. And this is an exercise. Prescription for healing. Bad things happen even when we are good. Look for the miracles and opportunities for healing your heart, soul, and body in any dire situation. Be determined to save yourself while being kind to others. Each day, perform one good deed that will heal a hurt for a family member, friend, foe, or the planet. Each and every one of us harbors a doctor within. Heal thyself. There are no mistakes. 
Richard Bach once said, the events we bring upon ourselves, no matter how unpleasant, are necessary in order to learn what we need to learn. Whatever steps we take, they're necessary to reach the places we've chosen to go. Wow, Zara, that was really a beautiful reading. And I really liked this author's outlook on what happened to you know, like what happened, all of this, you know, got shot in the arm. That's really terrible. But I love how the author was able to heal themselves and really work from there, get a college degree. And I think even in the story, um, she says, today I remember Dr. Graham when I touch my patients and assure them that they too will be okay. And so this person was really able to, you know, heal herself or himself and, get to a point where they became a doctor as well. And they took the experience that they had with their mentor, Dr. Graham, and they were able to, you know, use it and become a doctor. And I feel like Dr. Graham for them really inspired something special where they became a doctor as well. Right. And I think, you know, you think of something like that and it's just one incident, but it's had such a great effect on the author of the story that he even chose to, you know, pursue the same exact profession that um, this, you know, stranger in a hospital um, chose. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like one incident like that can, you know, sometimes it can completely ruin your life, but then the next second it can completely heal you and you can feel like a new person. And I think that's just really the beauty of healing that it can be, it can come out of all the, you know, tiny crevices that you never thought Mm -hmm. of. Exactly. And I feel that's, that's really just beautiful. And healing, I feel like is a great property that, you know, you can stay strong and you can heal yourself, but you also do need other people. You need a mentor to kind of nudge you along and encourage you when you're down. And I feel like the presence of such a person really helps you heal entirely and properly and even keep going in your life, you know, um, become a doctor. Yeah, get a college degree. And I found that that aspect was really great, that you need some help to heal. You can heal yourself and be determined. And when you have a mentor there, it makes it so much easier. It inspires you and you go beyond healing. And that's just a wonderful aspect. Yeah, and I think that one of the best things that mentors can do is they can train, you know, the person that they're mentoring to be a mentor themselves someday. And that's exactly what um, this author, Arlen Van Dyke, did. Um, You know, now he has a whole career where he heals people. And I think the fact that he's healing people also heals him. It makes him feel like, you know, he's really making a difference in the world. He's not just some, like, useless guy. Um, And that, you know, healing really is what gets people back on their feet and gets them to be the great people that they can be. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's just beautiful. And, you know, it's hard to get back on your own two feet. It's hard to, you know, stand up again when you've fallen down and you want to just have a mentor there to keep pushing you, keep pushing you back up after you've fallen down. And yeah, I love that outlook where if you have a mentor, then that mentor can kind of help you become a mentor, it inspire you to yeah. help someone else. Yeah. And then there's this just chain reaction where you've got, you know, a mentor to a person who then becomes a mentor to someone else. And then it keeps going. And I just 
think that's just so wonderful that you can keep going with this tradition of mentoring or this amazing, you know, job where you're inspired to become a mentor, to become a doctor for someone else after you've been mentored. So thank you so much, Zara, for such a wonderful reading discussion. And the story, yeah, thank you. And this story really showed the true power and beauty of healing. And I love your outlook. I love that chain thing where you've got a healer, a mentor, another mentor. So as always, all good things must come to an end. And this was a great show with our theme of healing. Thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer. Thanks to our guests and reporters from around the world, and thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Zara Hassanane. You've been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, go to www.btsya.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, be a force of healing, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself.